Hey there. Welcome to the Brian Francis Podcast in full effect. Good morning. It is morning-ish. It is Sunday, September 9th, 2018, a rainy and miserable Sunday. And yet it did feel a little cold yesterday and today. So break out that corduroy, people. Fall is arriving, is here. Good to be here. I want to thank last week's guest, Mr. Rick Topper. People found him very interesting and exceedingly likable, as did I. Maybe Rick will make a return appearance at some point on the podcast. No guests for today, but the open door policy remains. Should you want to join us here, we can make that happen. Still in back-to-school mode. Just in back-to-school shopping with the kiddies, back-to-school sort of meetings with the parents, and I met my kids' teachers, and September. This is what September is. We were at back-to-school at my daughter's, older one's, uh, middle school orientation, and... That was canceled uh, halfway through due to a power outage, due to a storm. And then this race I was going to run today was canceled. And then because of the rain. And then this weekend we were actually going to go camping. But we canceled that. And uh, it's just everything's been a washout. Actually, I think the race still went on. But I, I did not attend. Everything has been a washout this summer. It's going to go as camp out fish show that was canceled due to the rain. And we went to Hershey Park. And then that rained. And... What is going on here? This has been the summer of cancellations in my mind. But that's all right. So we went to this back-to-school night, and uh, I'm. we went into one of the classrooms. I'm always intrigued by the classroom rabbit. The classroom rabbit. Tug of Dunkin' Donuts here. What a, this has got to be a tough rabbit, right? You're dealing with these seventh grade kids all day long, and you know, these kids can be psychotic, and this rabbit seemingly had a real zen, stoic disposition, like I've seen it all before. I've lived through all your trends and fads of dabbing and bottle flipping, and I'm still here, chewing on hay. Ain't nothing you can do that I ain't seen before. I have a bit of admiration and a bit of concern about the classroom rabbit. I hope it's happy. I do. My youngest daughter went to a school in which the classroom rabbit was, uh, and maybe you, you're in a situation like this too, the rabbit will travel home with a different student each week. You sign out for the rabbit. In this case, the rabbit's name was Flopsy. And Flopsy the Weekend Rabbit would go to various people's homes throughout the year. And that must just be, uh, cause some mild schizophrenia within a rabbit, I would imagine. I think of the Kurt Vonnegut short story, Who Am I This Time? I forget the premise of that story, but just the title always stuck with me. That I think the premise was something about waking up and you're someone new. Wouldn't that be Flopsy's situation? Flopsy wakes up, and today there are two 
German shepherds that Flopsy has to avoid. The next day, there's a doting, you know, the next weekend, a doting grandmother dressing Flopsy up in a pink tutu. The next weekend, totally ignored. Flopsy has gone to a meth house. I don't know, but it's it's got to be a tough life. You can never really feel settled. Who am I this time? We have a relative that has a nice bit of land, and he's got a, a rabbit hutch, hatch, out in his backyard, some chickens. He's got a really cool setup, but uh, those chickens. Uh, I had eggs the other day and cracked it open. There were two yolks in there. And then I opened and cracked open another egg. Same deal. Two yolk, two. Are you finding? Are you getting more double yoked eggs in your life? And what does that mean? Because I seemingly can't avoid them. I've never had it happen in my life, and now it's pretty much double yolk almost all the time. I'm buying a different brand now because I'm wondering: Is this bad? Is this the result of some sort of radiation? I gotta admit, the first time I ate the double yolked egg, I was like, "It's fine." It's fine, you know, it tastes like like everything else. And then my mind started like running scenarios in my head. And within 20 minutes, I somehow mentally uh, convinced myself to vomit. I, I vomited the double yolk egg. I don't know what went wrong, but I'm very leery of this. So I was like, oh, it's good luck. I said, mm, it's not good luck when that happens every time. But I would like, I, I do like my man's set up there. He's got goats. He's got, or no, he doesn't have goats, but he's planning on getting goats. But he's got some cool chickens, rabbits. Um, I think about that often, getting a, a plot of land and just, you know, for once in my life being a man and just living out on the land because I think I could. I think I'm not quite old and decrepit enough to pull it out, to pull it off. I think I could pull this off. And this would be... I might have to forego some podcasting in favor of manual labor, but there's some beauty, something beautiful about manual labor, as I do like doing lawn work and yard work. It's always time well spent, good for the soul. Would it be okay for my kids, though? I don't know. Does this, they think they would love space, but does space get weird on you after a while? Would you become a meth head living out there in that, you know, those great distances? Would my kids feel alienated. Would I be Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining? Daddy! Daddy! I'm not going to hurt you, Wendy. I said I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. If you know, that's the, uh, that's the children's comedy babe, Pig in the City. No, The Shining. We've had all sorts of wild pets. We had this little miniature hamster that uh, named Nugget that escaped a number of years ago. Or no, escaped. This was, I guess, uh, about a year ago. And uh, it was in the basement. The cage was left open. I don't know how. My youngest daughter. And uh, it was gone for about three days. And after a mourning process, and we discussed that, you know, Nugget is probably not going to return. On the third night, whilst we slept, we heard from the basement. Squeak, 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 squeak. The wheel in the cage was turning again. It was a gerbil hamster miracle. We went down there and there was Nugget. Cage open, door ajar, running on his exercise wheel. 
That was an amazing moment. I always thought like this is Nugget perhaps was like a prisoner that has served a long prison sentence and has gone on to the outside but couldn't make it on the outside too institutionalized and came back came back and good for Nugget and then a week and a half later Nugget left again and that was it so maybe Nugget was like I'm going to make another break for it this time I really don't miss it though there are most of these these pets that the kids have, save for the dog and the goldfish. Uh, it's just for me. It's just a matter of what do I need to do? What do I? When do I feed them? But it was back to school time. It's always nice going shopping with the kids and my wife because my wife will is very savvy with deals and uh, uh, discounts and thing. And her math brain, as you know, is a a steel trap, a steel trap. So when she brings these discounts up in front of a teenage boy cashier, and the boy is not quite as uh, quick on the uptake with some of these things and says, well, you know, this, this discount doesn't apply, my wife will spin and lay out a seven-course rationale as to why these things do apply and i basically i've seen her destroy teenagers just destroy if their boys just completely emasculate just i've seen sort of the trail of dead that is left behind by my wife and shopping they're just crushed Cru and i just sit back and i say oh no here it comes it's happening i do admire her though i do admire this about her that this discount's happening. You need to understand, son. I try to like try to get the attention of the cashier and just explain to him that this will not end. I try to let him know that back off. It is like a steel trap, her mind. It's a trap. Some people were talking about a topic I rose uh, a couple weeks ago. Trap. And traps. It's my youngest, or was this the oldest? Said, "Well, you know, when you have a twelve-year-old daughter, you spend ninety percent of the time uh, correcting their morals and ethics and values. And uh, does that sound like what your situation is? If you have a kid of similar age, ninety percent ripping into this girl, but it's working. It's taking. I think." Anyway, my wife, I think out of a moment of complete frustration, said, you know what? Is there anything I can do as a mom to be a better mom to you? And both my kids looked at me like, what the hell kind of question is this? Is this a trap, Dad? Should we really answer this question? I, I looked at them and said, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never – this is uncharted waters. I, I thought, my instincts tell me that it's a trap, that you do not want to answer this question with a series of critiques and criticisms of my wife's parenting. I think it's a trap, kids. Just leave it alone and walk away. Live to fight another day. That's back to school shopping. I found myself in the H&M, which of all the stores, I think that has the best shopping music. 
oh. It's all sort of indie pop. And I kind of loathe indie pop, I got to say. Because indie pop to me just sounds like one long song that never ends. But this H&M, they do have, it must be psychologically uh, produced music that uh, fosters more shopping. I don't know what this song's about. I don't know what, but for some reason, the tempo and the beat and the rhythm make me want to buy another sweater. The band that always makes me want to buy tank tops is that, that song, uh, Foster the People. I'm always like, are those pants on sale? You know, I should probably just get three pairs of those. <laughs> right? You didn't know I could whistle. Yes. And this is it. That's the last talent. Foster the people. If they're playing, I will buy more clothes. That's just how it works. But I wonder, like, are these bands contracted by these stores? Do they create purely shopping music or do they exist in the real world i know foster the people does but some of the other indie pop bands i feel are solely created by h&m are solely created by banana republic to be the soundtrack of the store which a part of me uh raises cynical uh ear saying hmm you know what what and ugly capitalistic thing to do and what musical sellouts and there's another part of me that's fascinated by the psychology of sales and that really produce an entire band just to shill your sweater vest we're back to school now in class a couple class meetings for my colleagues and me there's always a new term at work when you start a new year. Maybe you have catchphrases that are big into your job. Last, uh, there was one ladder up. This is my uh, wife's profession. And everyone was saying the term ladder up. We want to make sure that these stats ladder up to uh, our presentation later. My work to catchphrase this year is a hard start. This meeting it's going to be at 9.15, okay? And that's a hard start. Is it? How hard is that start? I'm going to test how hard that start is. I'm going to roll in at 9.20. I don't. I play by the rules. I question the rules, but then I play by them. If there's a hard start, I'm there. Laptop open. Affable. Ready to go. Things I hate. Songs on the radio while I'm driving that make it sound like something is wrong with my car. There's this Elvis Costello song that XBN has been playing lately. And towards the end of this song, it goes, and it just sounds like something's wrong with my left tire. And I, to the point where I even pulled over. And then I turn the music down and the, the f -f 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 stop. That should, there should be some sort of law against making music like that. 
Don't make it appear that something's wrong with my car. And don't have sirens in your music because I immediately think I'm getting pulled over. Please. Speaking of music, I'm reading this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, we'll say. New York Times bestseller. Fascinating book. A lot of the stuff I feel like I already believe, but it's nice to read and have it confirmed. And some of the info is completely new and I'm like, hmm. It's called, a. the subtitle is A Counterintuitive Approach to Life. Guy tells a story about a musician that was in a band uh, that was gaining popularity and seemingly were going to be the next big band. Not big band music, big band and popularity. The genre was heavy metal. And what had happened was he was kicked out of this band and he was devastated because he thought this band was going to be big. So he, in sort of an fueled by maybe revenge, immediately formed another band. And his sole purpose of this band was to outsell his previous band in concert tickets, popularity, and overall importance to the history of music. The band he started was Megadeth. Very popular and fairly famous metal band. The band he was kicked out of was Metallica. Perhaps the greatest heavy metal band of all time. So the reason the author told this story was this guy, Dave Mustaine, never quite viewed himself as a success. Never quite viewed Megadeth as a success because they never were bigger, or some would argue better, than Metallica. To the point of even in a 2003 interview, he, Dave Mustaine, broke down and cried about his, I guess, inferiority or the fact that he never quite lived up to the to the parameters of the dream that he laid out in his own mind of being better than Metallica. And the author goes on to explore the idea of how comparisons don't make us happy, right? How Dave should have been overjoyed to have such a successful band of Megadeth. And only when we gauge success based on someone else or some sort of parameter or, you know, this one detail of being bigger than this other band or this other thing, whatever your goal is, that that is setting yourself up for mental failure. So, and the bigger thing is, were Dave not kicked out of Metallica, we would not have such classics from Megadeth like Peace Sells, but who's buying so think about that. I thought that was an interesting point. Metallica, I believe, also either kicked out or never accepted uh, an audition by the bass player Les Claypool. 
I think he did audition, and after he left, they all deemed Les too weird. Too weird. Which, if you know Les Claypool, you'd have to agree, but I find his weirdness wonderful. And Claypool went on to form the fantastic band Primus. Primus. So a lot of musicians came through Metallica and formed other bands. Comparison is the thief of joy. I don't know who said that, but that that feels uh, that feels right here. And that's that. Well, there's more. There's always more. We were out. I met the, the kids and wife at the Panera Bread, uh, and I already ate. And uh, and we were ordering, and I told the cashier, I said, you know, I, I already ate. I'm just going to feed. My wife's like, she doesn't care. She does not care. You don't have to explain to her. You're just some some guy, just some old guy. It doesn't, you don't have to explain to her that you're not eating at the Panera Bread. I felt like I did. I felt like I did. In the final purchasing news, I'm always looking for a, uh, a new pair of glasses. Yes, framed. I like to cash in on my company-issued vision benefits program by getting glasses once a year. Because you can't teach if you don't have new frames, folks. It's all part of the teaching experience. And I like a good frames coach. When I go in there, I like someone to give it to me straight. The woman there the other day at Vision Works said, no, those are awful on you. They're, they're too small, and they're just completely off. I admi- While it was a blow to my ego, I admired that she was shooting from the hip. That's what you need in a good frames coach. But then when I was purchasing them, it took forever. Like, you ever get into one of these transactions in which it takes, like, 45 minutes for no fault of your own? It's just this person is just... Mm, into is so into their job that it just takes for hey we should call the the main office and see if we can get you two percent knockdown on that and then and then like you know you become like part of the co-conspirator like it's the two of you against the world ah the boss said no but you know what i'm gonna i know another guy i'm like i just want to pay full price and get out of here i don't we don't need to do this When someone makes you their, then that is a sales tactic too. Or you even see that in like restaurants, like waitresses or something, or a waiter will turn and be like, you know, it's you and them against the world. You know, the back there in the kitchen, you know how they. Anytime it's like two against the third thing, the pivot, the conspiratorial pivot. Football's back, baby. Eagles won their first game in dramatic fashion. I love their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. I heard him on the radio the other day. He's a big chess fan, as am I. And it's like, man, if I couldn't like this guy even more, he played chess in the offseason after winning a Super Bowl. I got into chess so much I would say my freshman year of college, as did some of my dorm mates, that we, uh, you know, we started to lose our mind with it. We started to get a little wonky in the head because we played so much chess. I recall a friend of mine, we were in a basement party hanging out, and he went to walk to the keg. 
and he took two steps forward and one step to the right. In his mind, he had to move like a knight, like a knight on a chessboard, two squares up, one to the right, four, one over and two up. And if you know the knight, the knight moves in an L-shaped form. Jim Schwartz said, you know, he doesn't mind in chess giving up the queen, whereas some people, I think, find that devastating when they lose their queen during a game. And then I'm watching the Eagles the other night, and Jim gave up a good amount of yardage, but not a lot of touchdowns. And I thought of this, you know, this parallel. I saw how he played chess manifested itself in how he coached defense. He's willing to give up yardage but not touchdowns. Give up the queen, but not the king. Not the game. Chess informs me about life. As it gets colder, we will enter chess season. I'll play a bit online, and there's even a chess club in Doylestown that I'll attend periodically. Love the game and the beautiful artwork of the boards and the pieces. But that preseason game was just uh, brutal. The, the one prior to the Eagles' week one victory, the last one against the Jets, I was kind of watching it, kind of listening to it, but they're, they're pretty much almost unwatchable, these preseason games. And to hear it on the radio, because I like to listen to sports on the radio, particularly baseball, but to hear preseason football on the radio, it's so, it's like atonal jazz. I mean, the score, I think the Eagles lost that game. So I don't know. They lost the one the week before, 5 nothing to Cleveland. So preseason is generally not an indicator of, of what to expect. Although sometimes it can show you some shades of what's going to happen. But it's so bad, the football, sometimes. It does sound like that atonal jazz on the radio. It's like your friend that listened to Charles Mingus, you know? I feel like that same time around freshman year of college, we were all like, you know, Listen to John Coltrane, Giant Steps, uh, Miles Davis, kind of blue. like, And even the more uh, clashing sort of bebop that was very beatnik, beret, hipster stuff, but really in hindsight was difficult to listen to. Thelonious Monk and but Mingus, I feel like everyone owned that Charles Mingus album and nobody ever listened to it. Even Mingus was like, this is BS, this album. I think I feel like if, if you were to corner Charles Mingus, you'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't really like this stuff. Boys to Men sang the national anthem in front of the Eagles football game. The opener, I think Mingus should have done it. I think I, I would have seen so many confused middle-class people listening to these extended bass solo interpretation of the national anthem that they might start ripping the seats from the moorings, folks. The duo of Mingus and Monk. Nobody looked at that album. I don't even think, yeah. In the history of music, no one has listened to that Charles Mingus album. Now, what are you going to do? So... Everything's been a washout. We did go to Hershey Park, but we left early because the rain started. Because the rain seemingly start every four to five hours. And um, it was a fun trip. And I did go on a couple roller coasters. Not a spinny guy. Not a Gravitron guy. But I will go on 
some upside-down roller coasters. I think part of it is to prove to myself that it's a fight against death. It is like, look, I'm still alive. I'm still edgy. But to see me on these things is not as impressive. I don't come across as an extreme sport enthusiast. I come across as completely terrified, which is what I am. Roller coaster goes up. This is like a quadruple upside down looper and going up. And, uh, you know, right before that drop, I'm not like, woohoo, or like my arms are not raised or anything. I am uh, very compliant in the instructions to hold the bar, keep the feet stable. At all. Do not reach your arm. I'm very compliant. And, uh, and I'm terrified. And it's not, woo-hoo. If you sat next to me, here's the only sound I make. And only the person sitting directly next to me could hear this because it's, it's very quiet. It's just this, uh, it's just a guttural moan of fear. And I don't plan on doing it. And it's not part of my act when I'm on a roller coaster. Uh, and, uh. You know, my kids are like, what, were you scared? Is that, that roller coaster had like four loop-de-loops in it. Were you scared? And I'm like, ah, it was all right. It was fun. But, I mean, the truth is, like, after the first loop, I feel like I almost kind of just pass out mentally. I'm like a fainting goat at that point. I'm there. I mean, my body's not flopping around, but it's like I go into another place that I can't even register what's happening anymore. Just, so that was it. That was, that was a successful trip to Hershey Park. And we got free passes to come back again because it because uh, our trip was cut short. So I like that. That's my favorite ride, free passes. Hershey Park happy, Hershey Park glad. That's their theme song. That sounds like a tin ear, whoever wrote that jingle. Glad? That word clashes. In my mind. As the fall is here, we're trying to get a better schedule in terms of making dinners. Because I feel like we're all over the place. And what I mean is our kids eat different things. And some of them eat this and the other one doesn't eat that. And uh, when I cook, I feel like a chef at a restaurant as opposed to just making a family meal. It's come out and who ordered the uh, Chilean sea bass? Oh, okay. And who had the blackened tuna over here? And I can't, you know, and my wife cooks as well, and we can't spend our time making individual entrees every night. So we, we put a line in the sand. We said, here are the seven meals that will be provided in the seven meal matrix, one per day for the week. And we're going to run this for a month. I love this, this plan. It starts tomorrow and I can't wait. I want to remove myself from that decision-making and just no more. Who ordered the butterfied filet with the asparagus tips? Okay. Done. Done being your personal chef, kids. Write it down. 
And I'm done being your joke boy for the day. Uh, I'm going to do something else now. Have a wonderful Sunday. Stay dry. Contacts, questions, concerns, complaints. Brian Francis podcast. The old and new name again. At Outlook.com. Hit me up. Advertisers, submissions, interviews, anything is possible. That that bell means uh, time is over. Peace out. Mm-hmm.